this is Steve with Life Worth Living. I am super excited today to share with you a secret that I'm in the process of learning and experimenting with, and it's how to get peace, that is, how to get inner peace and keep it. You know, I I don't know about you, but you know, I go through times when I have a lot of peace and then other times when I don't have a lot of peace, and it's kind of a peaks and valleys type of situation, but in the Word of God, in the Bible, there's very clear instruction, very practical instruction for how we can access inner peace and keep it. So I can't wait for you to listen in and receive from God your inner peace and keep it from day to day. share with you some scriptures and kind of walk you through my logic and see what you guys think. And if you want to take some notes, you can take notes. It'll help you, I believe. In Romans 1-7, first of all, have you ever not had peace? Have you been disturbed in your brain, in your heart, in your soul, and you're like, I need, I need relief. I'm about to lose my mind here. All right, what you need is you need peace peace. And a lot of times lack of peace comes because you're facing a really tough situation that you don't know the answer to. And you need peace in the midst of a difficult situation. So, man, my phone is going to keep turning off. Here we go. Romans 1, 7 says this. Um, This is Paul talking to the Roman church. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, and here's what, here's what Paul says, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does this tell me? Okay, I'm just writing in my journal along one morning. Oh, peace comes from God. It says here, peace to you from God, our Father. So you want peace? You've got to go to the source. Why are you trying to find peace through yoga? Why are you trying to find peace through meditation? Find peace where it comes from. It comes from God. All right? So here I am writing one morning. Kind of my eyes are not wide, you know, wide awake yet. I pull out my phone, my computer, and I type that down. Aha, peace comes from God. So I better get to know God better so I can have more of what he has for me. Then I find Romans 3.17. It says, and the way of peace they do not know. And the way of peace, Romans 3.17, and the way of peace they do not know. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know what? There's a way of peace. There's, there's a pathway of peace that you can stand on, you can walk on, you can stay on, And there must be other paths that are not of peace that you can walk on and stay on and be far away from peace. So I want to find the way of peace, and I want to walk on it, and I want to stay on it. And something tells me that the way of peace is pretty narrow and kind of, you know, if I'm not staying straight on it, I could get off of it pretty easy. All right? I want to find the way of peace. So here's the next several verses that I'm learning or have learned, you can't have inner peace until you are at peace with God, and that's the path. That's the path. 
you can't have inner peace in you until you've found and made peace with God. Why do people not have peace, even Christians, why do people not have peace in their life? They haven't made peace with their maker. They haven't made peace with their maker. It says, so when you're pursuing inner peace, first make peace with God, be reconciled to God, and you will begin to have inner peace. Therefore, since we have, this is in Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. It doesn't say we have peace from God. It says I have peace with God. Now, me and my wife have a wonderful relationship, but if we ever get into a place where she has an opinion that's different from mine and I have a different opinion, we're not totally at peace with one another, and therefore we don't have inner peace. And someone, some our kids may not have a whole lot of peace either because they feel that friction. Maybe a bad example, but it's true. <laughs> it happens sometimes. All right? And by the way, Tina is always right. So I just... I learned to be reconciled with her, and everything's good. But let me tell you what. If we are at peace with God, we have peace from God. And that goes for Christians. There's many Christians, believe it or not, who are not at peace with God, and therefore they don't have peace. So it's symptomatic. You can, you can diagnose yourself you can triage your situation and say, you know what? I don't have peace. Where am I at odds with God right now? Where am I at odds with God right now? A lot of times it just is a matter of saying, you know what? God is God and I am not. And he's right and I'm not right all the time. And I'm going to go with God. And we get reconciled with God. We get in agreement with God. And you know what? We instantly have peace. When you let go and you let God, you have peace with God and you have peace from God. Does that make sense? All right. Ephesians 2, verses 12 through 18. Ephesians 2, verses 8, 12 through 18. By the way, that last one that I just read was Romans 5, 1. And it talks about have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 Verses 12 through 18 says, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ. You were at odds with Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenant, covenants of the promises without hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ, you who were once far away at odds with God, you were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Praise God. He's not condemning you. You need to stop condemning yourself. You need to stop listening to those condemning voices that says you're not good enough. Oh, you messed up. Oh, you've committed the impardonable sin that's full of baloney. The Christian cannot commit the impardonable sin, and I've struggled with that in my life before. The Bible says to Christians, he forgives all your sins. That means you can't, as a Christian, you cannot commit the impardonable sin. Praise God. You have brought, been brought near by the blood of Jesus. And when you start thinking to yourself, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. 
is Jesus' blood not good enough for your forgiveness? Was Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, was it not good enough? Is that what you're, when you're self-condemning and heaping abuse on yourself and you look up to God and say, I'm not good enough. He says, was Jesus not enough for you? Did, did we need to do something more? Was my son's sacrifice not good enough for you? Well, of course it was. All right? You were brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Praise God. Jesus himself is your peace. Find peace in Jesus because there's no other place to find it. He himself is our peace who has made the two groups. What two groups? You and God. He's made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. What is the dividing wall of hostility? It's our sins. Our sin separates us from God. Those bad thoughts, those bad words, those bad actions, those bad reactions, they separate us from God. You know what? Jesus came and took our sins, destroyed the divide, destroyed the obstacle, and said, guess what? You and Jesus are like this. I don't feel that way. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you feel that way. It's a fact. It's a fact, plain and simple. The dividing wall has been obliterated and you are at peace with God, whether you feel it or whether you don't. It's by faith. And so you can read on a little bit more. There's a reconciliation process there. Jesus has made peace for us with God. And so in order to have peace, we need to be at peace with God. And that's a conscious decision because God's, he's already reached out his hand. You just need to reach your hand up in faith and say, God, I take hold of the reconciliation of God that Jesus made for me, and we are one. We are one. You and Jesus are like this. If you can simply accept it by faith. So you get that out of the way. You, you're, you've got that figured out. Then you go to Colossians 3.15. That's, again, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, and it says, now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty, the day-to-day, how to have peace in your life all day, every day. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. So God is at your, at your life, and he's trying to, to let peace or have peace rule over you, but you're saying, no, no, I want to worry. I want to fret. I want to feel ashamed. I want to feel condemned. I want to be fearful. All right, would you stop doing that? Why? Has God not taken care of every single one of your problems up until now? And can't you look back and say, oh, hey, <laughs> He did it for me. He can, now I'm talking to myself because I'm the biggest idiot of all, all right? I struggle with this all the time. But I've been applying these principles, and it's been helping me. I look back and say, Jesus, you've always taken care of me. Why can't I project forward and say that he's going to continue to do that? He's healed me before. I bet he's healed you before. He's encouraged you. He's provided for you. He's done miracles for you. He's been there for you. He's with you. 
let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Well, you say, Steve, that's still pretty ambiguous. Let's get farther down into the weeds on this one then. Isaiah 26.3, one of my, I always say this, my favorite scriptures. I say it about tons of scriptures, but this is really one of my favorites. Isaiah 23.26, verse 3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. There's about three key ingredients in there, but I want to read it out of a translation that I've discovered lately that I absolutely love. It's called God's Word, God's Word Translation. And see, listen to how it reads with this one. With perfect peace, you will protect those whose minds cannot be changed because they trust you. Now check this out. What if your mind was so full of peace that it couldn't be changed? You have a problem pop up, and peace just grips your mind. Instead of fear gripping your mind, peace just grips your mind. And another problem comes over here. But your mind cannot be changed, as it says in this version. Your mind is steadfast, in other words. It can't be shaken. It can't be changed. It can't be affected. What if your mind couldn't be changed away from peace? Wouldn't that be incredible? I would love that, and I have been, to a certain extent, experiencing this. I have my day, good days and my bad days, but I'm having fewer and fewer bad days and more and more good days because of the principles that I'm seeing here and that I'm finding, I'm practicing, that I'm putting into practice. Your minds cannot change. Well, as I was looking at that one morning, I was like, whoa, that is really cool. I would love a mind that can't be changed away from peace, that doesn't worry, that doesn't fret, that doesn't get condemned or ashamed or, or feel bad about itself. What if my mind was so strong it couldn't be shaken, it can't be changed? So then it brought to mind a scripture that has mystified me for all my entire life. As long as I've ever read this scripture, I didn't get it, and I probably don't still completely get it, but now I'm starting to see some, some you know, parallels to what we just read here. And it's 2 Corinthians 10.5. And it's Apostle Paul talking about spiritual warfare. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. A mind that can't change is a mind that is taken captive to Christ Jesus. I want my mind to be captive to Christ Jesus so it can't change, and so it's a constant peace. Don't you? I do. I would love that. That would be great. A mind that can't change, and listen to this, comes under the influence and the control of God Almighty. Now we're talking about, oh, so i got to give up something here in order to get peace. And I would say that's exactly right. You give the reins over to God, and you say, you take control, and now my mind can't be changed because it's under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's a sacrifice, you know? But the alternative is out by yourself with no peace, barraged by fear, overtaken by worry, <laughs> controlled by all the whims and things that comes through your mind, depression, all those types of things, oppression, 
All right, but, but hear me out. 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be to God. <clears throat> but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. And so what would happen in Roman days, as I understand it, is when a conqueror, a Roman conqueror came into town, they would take the leaders of that town or that country and the Roman would be the triumphal procession and all his slaves that he had just taken captive were behind him and he had triumphed over him. It was the way that he showed that he was, he was the conqueror. Jesus wants to conquer your life. He wants to conquer your life. And when it, it happens, it won't be humiliating. It won't be shameful. You will join Jesus in the victory over your selfish self. And peace will begin to rule in your mind because you've given the keys, you've given the reins of your life over to Jesus. Wow. That's what it means to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's what it means to be led as captives in Christ's triumphal procession, the cross life. The cross life. Deny yourself. Take up your cross, the cross of grace, by the way, and follow Jesus. And his influence is going to start covering your mind, your thoughts, your your peace is just going to run rampant all throughout your mind. Can you imagine waking up in the middle of the night and just having all these peaceful thoughts just bouncing around in your skull, and you're just, you just can't stand it because you're so peaceful? That's what we're talking about right here, is peace, peace that just rules and reigns, and you have just no control over because you're so peaceful. Wow, that's awesome. So, Look at this. Here's one last kind of thought about this until we draw a conclusion here. Exodus 4, see how devotions kind of just jump over and shift side to side, and the Holy Spirit guides your reading, and, and you're finding this scripture, and then you find this scripture and put it together and piece it together. This is the funnest thing you could ever do, is have a rich devotional life where God is speaking to you as you read your Bible. How often should you read your Bible? Most every day. Most every day. Don't do it every day because you'll fall into legalism. But most every day, read your Bible. So that the Holy Spirit can get into your, into your soul and your mind and your life and change you and transform you and renew you into the person that God wants you to be. You've got a call on your life. God's chosen you. He's picked you. He has a purpose for you. Don't let the devil mess with your mind, go to Jesus and say, here's the keys, Lord God, influence my life from this point forward. But look at this, Exodus 14, verses 13 through 15, Moses has his back against, you think you're stressed out? Moses was stressed out. He was back against the wall. He had taken two million Israelites out of Egypt. He's faced with a, the, the water of the Red Sea in front of him and an army coming to, to take him back. Have you ever done that before? God saves you from something, and then the enemy pursues you, trying to pull you back into that old way of living, into that dead way of living. Well, that's what, that's, I'm sure, how Moses felt. Moses says to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he is, will accomplish for you today. That 
is amazing right there, but I'm going to not spend a lot of time on it. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. You'll never see them anymore or see them no more. It says forever. <laughs> the Lord will fight for you. Listen to this. You shall hold your peace. When you're stressed and all this pressure is coming to bear on you, hold your peace. Hold your peace. Say, God, I turn my life over to you. All right, you got to defend me. You got to fight for me, as this word says right here. I'm going to hold my peace. I'm at peace with God. I have peace with God, and I'm holding my peace with God. I'm holding my peace with God. When I point at you, my dad taught me I got three fingers pointing back at me. This is for me, all right? This is helping me, and I hope it's helping you as well. Now look at this. A couple more thoughts. Our prayers reveal what we think about God and how we relate to him. Our prayer life reveals all of this. Listen to this. Please don't miss this. This is the most important thing I'll tell you tonight. 99.9% .9 of our prayers are trying to influence God to do something that we want. And one tiny little infinitesimal prayer that we have is, God, is saying, God, influence me. Influence my prayers to pray the way that you want me to pray. Some of us don't even have that percentage. It's all about influencing God. Influencing God. God, would you do this? God, would you do that? God, heal me this. God, blah, blah, blah. Instead, we need to spend 90% of our time saying, God, what do you want to do today? What do you want to do today? How, what do you want me to do today? What is your will, God? The Lord's Prayer. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Hallowed be your name. Use prayers to be influenced by God. Let God influence your prayers, and you're going to start living with peace like you've never lived before. There's the practical brass tacks of what I'm telling you tonight. First of all, pray. I hope all of you do. <laughs> Talk to God. Spend time alone with God. But tomorrow, spend time doing three things in prayer. Listening to God. Watching for God. The Bible says to watch and pray and waiting in his presence. Waiting in his presence. This is the way you get God to begin to influence your mind, influence your life, is by saying, God, you do it. <laughs> I come, and I've said this before, if I had a sheet of paper, I have a sh blank sheet of paper, God, you write the story today. I don't want to write it. I want you to write it, all right? You do it, Lord God. I am setting aside my stresses, my craziness. God, what do you want to do today? You start living that way, you have effectively turned the keys over to God. And uh, two more scriptures here. Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you've been in church any length of time, you've heard this one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, what? To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world anymore, but be transformed, what? By the renewing of your little brainacito, your little mind, your gray matter, all right? God wants to change you by changing your mind. And what do we have to do? We've got to present our gray matter to the Lord and say, God, this thing gets me into so much trouble. <laughs> My thoughts drive me 
completely haywire, at least 10,000 thoughts a day. I wish I could shut the dumb thing off. And so what do we say, God? I'm, I'm offering my body as a living sacrifice to you. Influence my plans, God. Influence the direction and course of my life. Influence my motives. Influence my obedience. Influence my prayers. Influence my need for security. Influence my gratitude. Influence my purpose. Influence my desires. Influence my fears. Influence my distractions. Influence my appetites. Influence me, God. I'm tired of trying to influence heaven. I want you to begin to influence me. So Philippians 4, 6 through 7, another one that we're probably well acquainted with. Maybe so, maybe no, but here it is. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. What kind of prayer? The prayer where God is influencing us. All right, that's a big, big thing. And the way that you know if you're trying to influence God or, or allowing him to influence you is the next statement, with thanksgiving. When you start thanking God, it shows that you're allowing him to influence you. When it's always about me, 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 God, come on, God, do this, do that, we know that we're influencing heaven and our minds are not going to be at peace. But when we pray with thanksgiving, thank you, God, that you've helped me this time and that time, the other time, now, God, influence me, influence my thoughts, influence my prayers. You present your request to the Lord, and what happens? The peace of God that transcends all understanding, what will guard your hearts and your minds. Your, your, your thoughts will become obedient to Christ Jesus. The peace of God will overwhelm your mind, and you will be shocked at how your mind is just set free. Set free, all right? Don't ever go to God and say, God, we'll get this straight, but you solve my problem first. No, no, no. Let's get it straight with God. Let's be at peace with God first, and then God begins to take care of your problems. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, I think every Christian, probably every human being in this world, would love to have inner peace and keep it. I imagine that's the vast majority of people. Lord God, and here tonight, I think we've heard and learned how that is possible and what practical steps we can do to make that happen. It starts in our prayer life. It starts in our prayer life where we say, Jesus, influence me, Lord God. Influence my thoughts. Get in there and interfere with my plans if you want to. Lord God, uh, intervene Lord Jesus, do something, Lord God, where you come and you take control of the situation. God, this morning or tonight, I am offering my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd, uh, Lord, influence my fears, influence my distractions, influence my desires, Lord Jesus. Influence the course and the direction of my life, short-term and long-term. Lord Jesus, influence my deepest motives and purposes of my heart. Lord, influence everything in my life. I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to come into my life and to begin to take charge because I'm offering my body, that includes my mind, as a living sacrifice to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
Lord, what is that doing? That's acknowledging that God is God and I'm not. I'm not God, but you are God and I want to be at peace with you. I want you to be in the driver's seat and I want to be in the back seat, letting you take control, take charge of my life. Hallelujah. And Lord, when the word, when the word says that when we do this, our minds can't be changed from peace any longer. Our minds will be taken captive and made obedient to Christ Jesus. We will join Christ's triumphal procession. We become, as the Bible says, slaves to Christ. Slaves to Christ. No longer slaves to this world, but Lord, attached. Lord, linked, even chained Lord God, to you, that's exactly where we want to be, where the enemy can't snatch us out of your hand. Lord God, we're in the secret place of the Most High God. Lord, in the shadow, resting in the shadow of his wonderful presence. Oh, thank you, Jesus, where nothing can harm us.